Welcome to the Evolutionary Androgen Podcast. I'm Charlotte Alea, and I am on a quest for the stories that reveal to us our evolutionary potential. I search folklore throughout time and from around the globe that hold the keys to transform humanity's current crisis, from fractured and separated to whole and healed. As we unify feminine with masculine, a new version of us is emerging. Hello, dear listener. Thank you for tuning in today, whenever that might be for you. It is impossible for me to separate this episode from what is currently happening in the world, which is that war has broken out in the Middle East and the entire country and people of Palestine are facing genocide. And don't worry, I'm not going to go into detail about this particular topic. I'm just wanting to name the elephant in the room. And if you're listening to this episode at a very different time, it is likely that the patriarchy is forcing its hand in some way, somewhere in the world. What I have been witnessing is that while the free people of the world, of all religions, all faiths, all ethnicities, are uniting and saying, no, stop this, not in our name, those corrupted systems of colonial power and the people running it are doubling down. It's been heartbreaking to witness, to say the least. And initiating because the veil has lifted regarding the truth of how entrenched humanity is in this sickness of separation that leads a human to dehumanize other humans. My guides have come through with a clear message for me through all of this, which they say is for all of us and is to be shared, so I'm going to share it. The message is that now more than ever, we cannot let this sickness take away our innocence. We cannot let it stamp out our inner flame. We have to keep laughing, keep dancing, keep playing, just as children do. Yes, we must cry. We must mourn. We must pound our fists at the mad injustice of it all. We must not close our hearts to the atrocities. But after we have shed our tears, we must do everything we can to restore our innocence and keep our inner flame alight. Welcome to this indigo ray of mystery. Think of every step we take on our evolutionary quest as one ray of a rainbow. Today, we step through the veils that separate us from the spirit realms. The spirit realms are those other worlds that are the homes of our ancestors and spiritual guides, as well as all kinds of energetic beings that do not have physical form. The veils part, and what has been hidden is revealed. The good, the ugly, and everything in between. The divine feminine archetype of the mystic, 
shows us how to receive the messages from our benevolent spirit guides and ancestors on the other side. And the divine masculine archetype of the magician shows us how to cast the spells that shape our reality. It is in this indigo ray that we become both dreamers and shapers of a new and better world. Our innocence paves the way. Okay, so what do I mean by innocence? You may be wondering. I consider innocence to be our original blueprint, the version of us that comes out of our mother's womb. Innocence isn't about being totally healed or free of karma. It's about taking steps forward along our paths with a full, open, and trusting heart, knowing that we are living exactly as our soul intends for us. It's about sincerity and being free and clear of heavy emotions and thought forms that may block us from listening and responding to the frequency of our hearts. So we can embody the mystic who receives the divine messages from within and the magician who brings those messages forward to create a better world. Innocence means we are free of self-judgments and self-doubt that keep us from hearing those inner voices from our spiritual guides, our well ancestors, our intuition. Coming back to a state of innocence is a constant, sometimes daily practice. I, for one, have a whole series of energy clearing and protection practices I do each morning and evening. The following story provides just a piece of all of our original collective blueprint, I believe, and is a way for us to access that state of innocence that exists in our blood and bones. This myth is a hidden gem that comes from ancient Turkey, or rather Anatolia, as it was called long ago. It is the story of Shamaran. I pieced this story together from many online sources, but I have to admit that this is the first time I granted myself some liberty with the details. Yep, divine inspiration struck, or you could even say the inner mystic listened, and I was called to change some things here and there. However, the essence of the story remains the same. The telling of this story takes up the majority of the episode, and I'm going to keep commentary afterwards to a minimum, as I believe this story speaks for itself. And I believe it will work us in the exact way it is meant to in the moment. Okay, let's dive in. In ancient Anatolia, which is present-day eastern Turkey, there have been many tales told about Shamaran. Some call Shamaran a goddess, 
some, a magical creature. You see, Shamaran was neither human nor animal. She had half the body of a woman and half the body of a snake. Shamaran lived deep underground and stayed underground, and very few knew of her secret whereabouts. But this hadn't always been the case. Several thousands of years ago, the earth was worshipped as a goddess, and the priestesses of the goddess guided the people under a matriarchal structure of governance. During that time, Shamaran freely roamed both the upper and lower worlds, gifting divine protection to all those who requested it. Shamaran was a powerful healer and was thus worshipped and frequently sought for her gifts. But then the kings began to instill a new system of patriarchal governance, wherein the king, his council, and the military ruled the villages in the land. All worship of the goddess was forced underground, and that included Shamaran. Shamaran knew that if the king were to learn of her whereabouts, she would be killed. Our story begins at this precarious moment in her story, for which we are still in the midst of. It begins with a young man named Thomasp. Thomasp came from a poor family and made his living as a wood collector and scavenger. One day, when he was out with a few men near dusk, he wandered further into the forest than the rest. His findings were low that day, and he thought that perhaps he could reach some areas yet untouched by the other collectors. He came across a tree with a large hole in the ground that oozed honey. Well now, honey was Thomas' absolute favorite treat. And so he could not resist the opportunity of collecting some of it to bring home to his family. Thomas reached into the hole. It was quite large. His whole body actually fit inside. The hole, although it oozed honey, was not filled with the sound of bees. This led Thomas to go deeper and further into the hole because everyone knows that the least pleasant aspect of collecting honey is getting stung. Honey with no bee stings? How could he resist? Thomas began to crawl down the hole, but before he could stop himself, the surface became slippery and he fell down a deep and long corridor to the bottom. Now Thomas was in deep trouble. His friends were far away. He screamed for help, but even in doing so, he knew no one would be able to hear him. He fell into despair and wept in the dark for many hours. No one knew where he had gone, and few visited this part of the forest. Only the sticky sweetness of honey on his fingertips was a source of solace. His family would have no way to find him out there. The night passed, and as dawn arrived, Thomas saw something he hadn't seen the previous day. 
the morning light shined down the shaft of the hole in such a way that it illuminated a small hole on the other side. Thomas retrieved his knife from his back pocket and began to scratch, hack, and carve at the dirt around the hole to enlarge it. And after many hours, it became big enough for him to squeeze his body through. When he made it to the other side, he found himself in a large, empty cave. The air was damp and warm, and there was a soft golden glow that illuminated the large space. Exhausted by his hard labor, he lay down to sleep. It may have been just a few minutes or several hours, but Thomas woke with a start to a hissing sound. He opened his eyes and saw snakes slivering all around the cave, and these snakes, shimmering green, purple, gold, and red, began to encircle him and come closer. Thomas, now terrified, began to scream, No! 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 He felt powerless and sure that the snakes would eat him alive. He closed his eyes, hoping it was a nightmare. When he opened them, the snakes were still there, but also before him was a beautiful, majestic woman with long, silken, auburn hair. The most curious thing about her was that the top portion of her body was a woman, but her bottom half appeared to be that of a shimmering emerald green snake. Please don't hurt me, Thomas sputtered. He bowed to the ground. I didn't mean to come here. I beg you, please let me go. The snake woman slivered all the way up to the feet of Thomas' quivering body and took his wet chin into her palm. Hush now, dear boy. We mean you no harm. On the contrary, you shall be well taken care of here. You are our guest, and we don't receive visitors often. Rest now, and when you awaken, we shall have a feast prepared for you. Thomas had no reason to believe her, but for some reason he did. There was something so kind, peaceful, and loving about this snake woman that he fell right back to sleep. He did wonder as he was drifting if it was all a dream. Perhaps he was so hungry and dehydrated, he had hallucinated the whole thing. But when Thomas awoke many hours later, he opened his eyes to find himself in a great hall. There was a large table set out before him with wine, dates dipped in honey, candied nuts, and many other delicacies. Welcome, his hostess said, as she guided him to sit, drink, and eat. I am Shamaran, queen of the serpents, and this is my underground palace. Thomas, in between mouthfuls of food, introduced himself as well, explaining how he ended up in her underground queendom. 
Shamaran quickly grew smitten with this sweet, young, and strapping man. It had been so long since she had had any human contact. So she began to share with him her serpent wisdom. Thomas was quite taken by Shamaran as well and hung on to every one of her words, eating them up with as much veracity as the spoonfuls of honey she fed him. He had never in his short life met any woman quite so majestic, mysterious, and wise as Shamaran. Shamaran told Thomas all about the origins of humanity. She told him about the benevolent star beings that came to earth and taught the first women the mysteries of the spiral as a way to activate their divine powers of creation and eternal life. Shamaran was one of these first women. But a long time later, she told him, other star beings that were not benevolent came to earth too. They wanted the powerful feminine creative and regenerative powers for themselves. And so they taught a group of men how to overpower women and use force to control them. This is how patriarchy began, she said, and why she, an emissary of the goddess, was forced underground. Shamaran and Thomas fell in love, and he stayed with her for many moons. They ate together. They bedded together. They became inseparable in Shamaran's underground queendom of serpents, all of whom were kind, peaceful, and loving, just like Shamaran. But after some time, Thomas began to miss his parents and siblings dearly, so much so that he found himself weeping and yearning for them every day. And so he told Shamaran that he must leave her and return home. She was brokenhearted, but she loved him and so could never keep him against his desire. She agreed to share with him the way out of her underground palace on two conditions. One, that he share with no one where he had been or who he had been with all these moons. Her identity and location must remain a secret. And two, that he would never attend the public baths, because if he did, his former whereabouts would be revealed. You see, having spent so much time in the serpent queendom, he was now a bit snake, and under the water, his skin would glisten green like the scales of a serpent. He agreed to her terms and returned home, his heart both full and broken. But upon returning to his family, he was grateful to be reunited with them. And they were shocked and relieved to see him return safely after so much time had passed. They thought for sure that he had died. Life went on, and Thomas missed Shamaran. But after just a few moons, he moved on. He returned to his work of wood collecting and even began to court young women in his village. All the while, he never forgot the incredible stories and wisdom Shamaran taught him 
and he held fast to his vow to never share what he learned from her to anyone. All was peaceful in Thomas' world until one day when the king fell ill. The king's medic could not cure him, and so all the healers and priests from the neighboring villages were called to the castle to share their remedies with the king, but none of them could cure him either. Then one of the king's advisors, who had come along in age, remembered the old stories the grandmothers would share in whispered tones about the great serpent woman and her miraculous healing powers. He told the king and his chief military leader about her legend. We must find the serpent woman immediately, the king replied. The king's army stormed into the homes of all the elders across all the neighboring villages. They interrogated these men and women about Shamaran, the great serpent healer, but none of them cracked. Everyone denied any knowledge about the serpent woman or her whereabouts. Then the same advisor to the king had another idea. He remembered one of the legends of Shamaran that the grandmothers would tell. The legend was that anyone that had had contact with her would have skin that shimmered like snake scales when wet. And so the king ordered every resident of all the nearby villages to the communal baths. The king's army visited each home to make sure every man, woman, and child stepped into the waters under the watchful eyes of the king's council. By now the king was so ill that he could not move from his bed, and Thomas was so frightened and distraught that he would soon be found out. He hid for as long as he could, but eventually a soldier found him, bound his wrists, and forced him to the baths. Sure enough, when Thomas stepped into the cool pool of water, his skin began to shimmer a magnificent green. Snake skin! The crowd around him gasped. The king's chief ordered him to disclose Shamaran's location. But Thomas, loyal to his word, refused. The king's army of men then dragged Thomas to a dungeon underneath the grounds of the castle. They tortured him, waterboarded him, burned him, and pulled at his limbs until his joints came out of place. He begged for them to take his life, but they refused. They seemed to find pleasure in his pain. Thomas soon could not take any more and confessed, sharing with them exactly where they would find Shamaran in her underground palace. The king's army stormed through Shamaran's caves, destroying and burning everything in sight until they found Shamaran in her great hall. They forcibly took her with them against her will. She was brought to the bedside of the sick king. Cure him, the king's chief demanded. I will tell you how to cure him, she conceded. It is quite simple. Anyone who eats of my head will receive of my wisdom and will be granted eternal life. 
Anyone who eats of my tail will grow very sick and will die a quick death. The king's army then chopped Shamaran in half, killing her instantly. The king and his chief ate of her human half. Thomas, who had been standing at the back of the king's army and watching all of this play out with tremendous horror, regret, and remorse, took a piece of her serpent half and ate it, praying for the quickest death possible. To everyone's surprise, however, the king and his chief turned yellow and began to choke and vomit and bleed from the nose. They both keeled over and died. Thomas, to the contrary, felt his heart fill with light. He suddenly felt more alive than he ever had. His eyes brightened as every living mystery was revealed to him in an instant. The king's men were dumbfounded, to say the least. They stood speechless as Thomas left the room and the king's castle behind, alive and well. So, what happened, you may ask? Did Shamaran lie in order to save her sweet former lover? Well, that is one theory that some believe, but there is another theory, which is the one that I prefer, and it goes like this. Who is to say which end was Shamaran's head and which was her tail? Humans assume her human half was her head, but as a queen of the serpents, Shamaran would actually associate her serpent half, which holds her wisdom with her head, and her human half with her tail. In fact, something you may not have realized in the telling of this story is that at the end of Shamaran's serpent body was not a tail at all but was the head of a serpent. And this is not actually the end of the story. Thomas, upon leaving the king's castle, packed a bag of provisions and took to the road, traveling from village to village, sharing Shamaran's wisdom to anyone who would offer a bed or a meal. He would always leave before the village king or army caught wind of him. It is said that Thomas lives on, having been granted eternal life, and is still traveling from village to village, city to city, as a divine masculine emissary spreading the word of the goddess in quiet and hidden places. And there is something else. After Thomas and Shamaran shared a bed together as lovers for so many moons, Shamaran actually became pregnant, and after Thomas left her queendom, Shamaran gave birth to several daughters, three quarters human and one quarter snake. They had the full body of a woman. These women, learning of their mother's vicious murder, vowed to spread her lineage amongst all the women of the world, but they could never attend the public baths 
unless they desire their true shimmering serpent nature to be quickly revealed for all present to see. Shamaran's daughters blended in with society and kept their wisdom a secret, hidden within codes of their serpent DNA. They had daughters, and their daughters had daughters, and so on. They knew that this wisdom of the serpent, the spiral, and the creative powers of the goddess would be reactivated in the blood of women when the time was right. And that time is now. usually mess with the endings of these types of timeless stories, but yeah, I mess with this one. I admit I'm claiming full agency in this moment to drive home an essential fact, something that we all need to remember right now, which is the blood of the goddess runs through you, each and every one of us. Activating this presence of deep love and deep healing does not involve rising above our current circumstances. It does not mean that we escape to the stars. It does not mean we think our way to love. It means we go down and in and below. Just as the goddess is found within the hidden caverns of the earth, so she is found within the hidden caverns of our hearts. This planet Our home needs the presence of the goddess, needs the love of the great mother desperately. So it is up to us to remember our true innocence, our original blueprint, our nature. I believe there is nothing left to be said except a prayer. And as I speak this prayer, I ask you, dear listener, to amplify it with your intentions. Speak it, feel it, think it with me. Here goes. Dear great creator of all, may the goddess return and crack open the hearts of all humanity. May we look into the eyes of the other and feel compassion May we be brave enough to face the consequences of our actions, to feel the pain, to grieve the loss of children, animals, innocence of our sisters and brothers. May we bow down to the healing powers of the goddess within us. May we surrender our guns, our bombs, our words and beliefs that separate, cut us apart and destroy life. May we globally rise together united in purpose to welcome into our hearts only love. May we banish hatred, banish division, banish the borders and blockades. May the mother's love prevail. May innocence live on within us all. May we refuse to accept anything else. May the mother's love prevail. May the mother's love prevail. May the mother's love prevail. We'll be back next month with a different story from a different part of the world as we journey through the violet ray of transformation. 
You have been listening to The Evolutionary Androgen, A Mythic Quest, with me, Charlotte Alea. If you liked this episode, we hope you'll consider subscribing and leaving us a rating or review. Thanks for tuning in.